Father God, in this place, we give you all that we have. We hold nothing back. We give you our entire hearts, our entire minds, our spirits, our souls are yours, God. We open us wide open to what you want to do in each and every heart this morning. May your spirit speak to us in hundreds of different ways, dividing this word up into good soil that it may take root and bear much fruit. And all God's people said, amen. Let it be so. You may now take your seats. Amen. struggle bus here. So I'm going to ask you a question today, myself included. When's the last time in your life that you've thought about a thousand years from today? Like if you ever stopped just ever and, and thought not about the 80, 90, or 100 years that you were going to live, but have you ever thought about a thousand years down the road, past when you're physically gone on this earth, have you ever thought about that? In Deuteronomy uh, 5 verse 9, God's speaking to Moses. He's giving him the, and the Israelites the Ten Commandments. And he says this, God to Moses and the people, he says, I lay the sins of the parents upon their children. The entire family is affected, even children in the third and fourth generations of those who reject me. See, what you and I do affects those around us, and it overflows, and it spills over onto the next generation and continues to flow down to the generations after that, even the ones that you won't physically be around to see. I lay the sins of the parents upon their children. The entire family is affected, even children in the third and fourth generations of those who reject me but thank god for the but but i lavish there's a word we need to bring back lavish unfailing love for a thousand generations on those who love me and obey my commands but i lavish unfailing love for a thousand generations on those who love me and obey my commands. I want some of that to spill over a thousand generations from now. Is anybody awake this morning? When's the last time you thought about your legacy a hundred years from now, a thousand years from now, a thousand generations from now? See, our God doesn't think short term. He's not constrained by time. He's not bound by time. He thinks generationally. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. See, that was God's name. That was his identity until the burning bush moment. He was simply known as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And then Moses, one day, he's, he's in the wilderness, and he sees this bush on fire, and he goes close to it, and, and, and his voice speaks from the bush and says, Whoa, you're standing on holy ground. Remove your sandals. And he said, who, who is this? And God said, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He names himself after his own creation. I find that absolutely incredible. And it was that day that he told Moses his name, Yahweh, I am that I am, a name so holy that you, you couldn't even speak it. And he told that to Moses from the bush. 2 Peter 3.8 says this, but you must not forget one thing, dear friends, a day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day. Our God is not bound by time. When he speaks, he speaks into eternity. Isaiah 43, 13 says, from eternity to eternity, I am God. See, that's why God knew you. Check this out. He knew you and he chose you before the foundations of the world were laid. You were in him. Before he said, let there be light, before the Spirit of God was hovering over the darkness of the waters, he knew you in 2017. He chose you. That might blow your brain cells, but that is an awesome thing. He decided in advance to adopt you, to give you sonship. And not only do you have sonship, you have an inheritance in him. That's who you are in Christ. 
And some of you need to start walking in that legacy that God has called you to and stop believing the father of lies and what he is speaking over you. See, everyone in here has a legacy that God's called you to walk in. And I'm blessed today partly because of who's here today. My, my parents from Canada are here in the front row. I won't make you stand, but just give me a wave to let me know you're still alive. Awesome. They named me Christopher, which means a follower of Christ. My middle name is Verdon, my dad's name. It means a green hill that's flourishing and alive. I'm a follower of Christ that is flourishing and alive. That's a legacy. Thank you. I want to tell you a story today about generations. I've got a genealogy chart. I should come up with the screens here. That you'll see if you look in the upper right hand corner this is the kings of Israel and Judah so we start off with King Saul in the top right there and it moves down to David and Solomon Solomon and Rehoboam and that's when the kingdom was split in two Israel and Judah split the north and the south split and you have Jeroboam there on the left hand side now Jeroboam this was 931 BC when Jeroboam came on the scene and Jeroboam caused Israel to sin with idolatry. And in 1 Kings 13, we read this story of an unnamed prophet. We don't know his name. It was a man of God. And he came from Judah to Bethel as King Jeroboam was standing by the altar to make an offering. But it wasn't to Yahweh. It wasn't to the true living God. He was making an, an offering to an idol, to idols. And this unnamed prophet, this man of God, cried out against the altar. He prophesied to the altar. And he said, altar, altar, this is what the Lord says. A son named Josiah will be born to the house of David. And on you he will sacrifice the priests of the high places, these idolatrous priests that Jeroboam had allowed to come in, and who make offerings there, and human bones will be burned on you. Crazy prophecy. Right? You with me? Ten years go by. No Josiah. Fifty years go by. No Josiah. People are probably starting to forget about this prophecy. A hundred years go by. Nobody, zero Josiahs on the scene. Two hundred years go by. No Josiah. Hezekiah becomes king. You can see him down there on the right-hand side. 234 years go by, no Josiah. It's 697 B.C., and Hezekiah's son, Manasseh, you can see him right below there, becomes king. To say that Manasseh is evil would be a kindness. He is beyond evil. He brings back the worship of Baal and Asherah. He not only brings them back, but he puts altars to them in the temple of God that Solomon had built. Manasseh practices and participates in the Moloch cult and the rituals which involve taking young children and sacrificing them in the temple of God on the altar. Manasseh's horrible and evil reign lasts for 55 years. 55 years of child sacrifice of innocent people dying, of the worship of false gods, of brutal, horrible, heinous things, reprehensible, demonic times. Think twice before you start to say that things are bad these days, because they're not. 2 Kings 21 tells us that Manasseh constructed altars for Baal and set up an Asherah pole, just like King Ahab had done. He bowed before all the powers of the heavens except for the one true God and worshipped them. He practiced sorcery and divination. He consulted with mediums and psychics. He did much that was evil in the Lord's sight, arousing his anger. Manasseh even made a carved image of Asherah and set it up in the temple, the very place where God had told David and his son Solomon, my name will be honored forever in this temple and in Jerusalem, the city I have chosen from among the tribes of Israel. 
Manasseh also murdered many innocent people until Jerusalem was filled from one end to the other with innocent blood. This was in addition to the sin he had caused the people of Judah to commit, leading them to do evil in the Lord's sight. Manasseh sacrificed one of his own sons on those altars. Fifty-five years made Hitler look like child's play. Unlike the world has ever seen this evil. And it's now 642 B.C. And Manasseh's son Ammon becomes king at age 21. And Ammon takes that overflow, that spillover from the generation before him. And Ammon follows exactly in his father's footsteps. And we read that he does what was evil in God's sight, just like his father had done. He worshipped the same idols his father had worshipped. He abandoned the Lord, the God of his ancestors. He refused to follow the Lord's ways. And it got so crazy that Ammon's own officials, his own people, conspired against him and assassinated him in the palace. And then the people of the land killed everyone who had committed the assassination plot. It's just pure chaos. Everyone had forgotten about this prophecy 291 years ago since the nameless prophet had prophesied about a son named Josiah. 291 years. It's 640 B.C. and God is all but wiped out from human memory, or so it seems. And Ammon's eight-year-old son inherits the kingdom. Eight years Old. And in the midst of this bloodshed, this confusion, this child sacrifice, this brutal environment, this eight-year-old kid who's grown up watching his insane, evil grandfather, his father, suddenly becomes king. You know what Ammon's son's name was? It was Josiah. 291 years. That's way longer than America's been a country. You know what was happening 291 years ago? Benjamin Franklin, Mike will appreciate this. Benjamin Franklin was sailing from England back to Philadelphia. That's a long time ago. 291 years after the prophecy in in the middle of maybe the, the most evil time ever seen on the face of this earth, God fulfills his promise. There's no earthly signs of God, just pure evil, but God is right there at the right time, and he puts an eight-year-old boy in charge of an evil empire and an evil people. I mean, you cannot make this stuff up. Disney can't make this stuff up. And that's a word for somebody here today. God told you that he was going to do something, and you've been waiting for it, and it hasn't happened yet, and you're doubting that you ever even heard it in the first place. But remember, God is now bound by time and space, and his word never returns void. His word always bears fruit. And if he said it would come to pass in your life, then you better believe that it will come to pass. It may come to pass after your life on this earth has ended. Have you ever thought that? You're not just living for yourself. You're living for an eternal kingdom. But if God said he was going to do it, then by God, he will do it. It's coming. You better hold tight to that promise. Hello? It might be 291 years from now. It might be 1,000 years from now, but it's coming. Am I preaching to anybody here today or is it just me? So an eight-year-old boy inherits arguably the world's most evil kingdom. 2 Kings 22, 1 and 2 says this, Josiah was eight years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 31 years. His mother's name was Yedidiah. I have a seven-year-old daughter. She has her own little kingdom. But I can't imagine her becoming a queen of this kind of kingdom. I think an eight-year-old boy would need some guidance, don't you think? And it's interesting that the Bible names Josiah's mom. It's the only time in the scripture where that name appears, Yedidiah. Just one time, one verse. You know what her name means in Hebrew? It means beloved. The one time 
This woman is named. She's a wife to an evil, evil king and mother to an eight-year-old who becomes king when his father is assassinated. And her name means beloved. Isn't it just like God to put a mother like Yedidiah in at the right time, at the right moment in history and place his beloved, his love in the midst of evil? I think that's awesome. And it's just my personal opinion. I'll find out in glory somewhere. But I believe that Yedidiah was a huge cause to Josiah walking out in the right direction and finding a God that had been completely stamped out of history in all human ways. See, Josiah started to take steps after God. He began to follow God. You know that following Jesus always involves you and I taking steps, like actual physical steps, right? Jesus is always calling you from that boat, just like he called the disciples. You know how to break your mold. It's really simple. If you're stuck, if, you're, if you can't seem to follow Jesus, this is how you do it. You take one step towards him, and then you take another, and then you take another, and then you take another, and another, and another, and finally you're taking a lifetime of steps towards Jesus. That's called being a disciple, and we're called to make disciples. That's what following Jesus looks like, and Josiah starts to take steps towards God. Second Chronicles 34 says this, For in the eighth year of his reign... While he was still a youth, he began to seek God. And in the twelfth year, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of the high places, the ashram, the carved images, and the molten images. So he's 15 or 16 years old. And Josiah begins to seek God. He's like taking steps towards God. And then he starts this multi-year process of doing an inspection in the land, doing an audit of the land. And he begins systematically tearing down all of the evil that his grandfather and his father had put in place for almost 60 years in the land. It took a long time to clear it all out. He begins ripping the idols from the temple. He starts removing and burning down all the high places, everything associated with idol worship and false gods. He's just going through the land, burning down and removing the junk. And it's a process. It's not an overnight event. Following Jesus is a process. It's not a quick fix. It's not a microwave solution. It's a lifetime journey that we're called to. And I think we need to start by doing an audit, an inspection of ourselves, of our own hearts. This past week, my, my wife and I own a rental property. Long story short, the renters in there destroyed a lot of things. And this week, we've been cleaning them up. Of course, as I'm preaching about this, is a physical representation of, of what I'm preaching about. Well, one of the things they did was they, they took hot grease when they must have been using a lot of grease to cook, and they poured it down the sink drains. Just a memo, don't do that. It's like the worst thing you could put in your drains because it goes down hot, and then it clogs up. You know, if you ever you can cook bacon, what do you do with it? You put it in a, a, another container. You don't pour it down the sink. That's just my lesson for you today. But we wonder why we're not getting victory over something when we haven't removed the idols from our lives. And God says you need to take out the trash, like everything. Like I want your whole heart, not just part of your heart. I want everything gone. To the, so you point towards me. You need, just need to kind of burn it to the ground. And so we need to physically go through our land, our houses, the inner pipings of our hearts and see if there's anything that's getting in the way to us listening and following the Holy Spirit or anything that's preventing us from taking steps towards Jesus. And we just need to burn it to the ground. Am I coming across today? What idols are you worshiping? Whose altar are you kneeling at? You, know, you want to know what you're worshiping? Just look at your calendar. Look at how you spend your time. That will tell you everything you need to know. And you might need to go from this place today and burn some appointments to the ground. You might need to remove some things that are good, but they're not great. Some things that are good that are holding you back from God. What's getting in the way of you taking steps after Jesus? It's time to do an inspection. And this isn't a one-time thing. This is a daily process identify it then burn it to the ground maybe it's not something inherently evil 
But for you, it could be a stumbling block. For you, it could be that grease in the pipes. It, it could be a high place. It, it could be some idols that are keeping you, preventing you from Jesus. Burn them to the ground so that nothing remains. Get rid of the junk. Take out the trash. Remove anything that is in the way. See, Josiah is so intent on removing evil from the land that he finds that shrine in Bethel of the golden calf cult built by Israel's King Jeroboam in 931 B.C. where that man of God prophesied to the altar. And he goes, Josiah goes to the nearby cemetery and he digs up the bones of the false prophets and he puts them on the altar and he burns the crap out of them. 291 years had gone by and he needed to dig some stuff up. Maybe that's you today. Sometimes to break the mold, you got to dig deep. You might need to go in the past and unearth some bones from previous generations and dig them up and then burn them down and leave them at the cross and start walking forward. See, some of you have been living in the past and God's designed you to live in the here and now. He put two eyes on the front of our heads, not on the back of our heads. He made our feet to walk forwards. We don't have a head that swivels around to look in the rearview mirror. God created us to go forwards, but sometimes we need to go back, dig up those graves, and burn it to the ground, then leave it and be done with it. And Josiah starts rebuilding the temple, the temple that God had given David a vision of, the temple that Solomon had built, the temple that Josiah's grandfather had abused and turned into this evil place and sacrificed children, so much blood, Innocent blood spilt in that place. And brick by brick, room by room, Josiah is cleaning and he's restoring the temple of God, the temple that God told David that my name will be forever honored in this place. And Josiah is bringing God's name back to the temple. And he hires skilled builders and he places his own personal secretary, Shaphan, the high, and, and the high priest, Hilkiah, in charge of this work of restoring and rebuilding God's temple. And one day, Hilkiah, the high priest, he's cleaning out this room in the back that hadn't been opened in years, and he finds this book, he finds this scroll covered in dust, and he gives it to Shaphan, the secretary, and Shaphan brings it to Josiah, and he says, Josiah, check this out, check it out. Hilkiah found this book, he found this scroll, and it's not just any ordinary book, it's the book of God. Can, I don't think you're getting it. Can you imagine? Like, they hadn't seen this, they hadn't heard about this. There had been evil in the land for 60 plus years. Can you imagine hearing the word of God for the first time? And Shaphan begins to open it up and he reads to Josiah and I can just imagine him starting to read in the beginning. God Elohim creates the heavens and the earth and the earth was formless and empty and darkness covered the deep waters and the spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters and then God said let there be light and there was light and God saw that it was good. I mean can you imagine that moment hearing this for the first time? I mean I, I wish I was there. I want to hear about it. And then can you imagine them listening to how God breathed his spirit into Adam and the goodness that God had created, and then the choice that Adam and Eve had made to separate themselves from God, and then Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, and then Israel being slaves in Egypt, and then them, God making a way, delivering them, and the law, of Moses, the law of God being given to Moses and the people. Can you imagine when Josiah heard Deuteronomy 5? I am the Lord your God who rescued you from the land of Egypt, the place of your slavery. You must not have any other God but me. You must not make for yourself an idol of any kind or an image of anything in the heavens or the earth or the sea. You must not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. I lay the sins of the parents upon their children. The entire family is affected, even children in the third and fourth generations of those who reject me. But I lavish unfailing love for a thousand generations on those who love me and obey my commands. And Josiah the king tore his clothes and he wept 
in repentance when he heard this. See, if you want to break the mold in your life, it starts with removing the junk, but you can't stop there. Then you have to replace it with something. You have to replace it with the word of God. What's the condition of your temple? What's the condition of your heart? Do you have a responsive heart? Like Josiah, 2 Kings 22, 19, the prophetess says, this Josiah, your heart was responsive. And see, you can break the mold in your life today. You can change that evil overflow from generations past. You can change the curse that may be upon you because there's also a blessing upon you. But it starts with removing the junk, burning it down, cleaning it out, dig it up if you have to. But then you have to replace it with God's word. You've got to be in God's word daily, listening to the Spirit. You've got to replace it with something good. And the only thing that is good is his word. And then you need to remember what God has done. See, the, the, I don't have time to go into it, but the third thing Josiah did was he brought back the Passover. The celebration of deliverance from slavery. You have to remember what Jesus did for you in freeing you. And you have to celebrate that fact. I don't think we celebrate enough. We got to bring the Passover back. And they hadn't, they hadn't celebrated it properly in like 900 years. And Josiah brings the Passover celebration back. The fact that you are no longer a slave. You're not bound by fear. You're free. And see, Josiah could have made excuses. He's an eight-year-old kid when this all started. He could have said, ah, my father did this, my grandfather did this. I'm just going to continue in the same way as them. See, you and I, we're all following somebody, aren't we? We all have an identity. We all have generations that before us that we follow now. We all have a father. But this is what I didn't tell you. This is what the Bible says about Josiah's father. In 2 Kings 22, verse 2, it says, He, being Josiah, did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and followed completely the ways of his father, David. Wait a second. David wasn't his father. There's no mention of Ammon, his real father, in that verse, or Manasseh, his grandfather. Go back to that genealogy chart. David's 16 generations in the past, like his great, 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 great grandfather. And Josiah breaks free of the sins of his grandfather and father, and he resets the clock. He breaks the curse. He breaks the mold, and he follows God completely. Listen to me. Listen to me carefully. Somebody in this place today or on the podcast needs to break free from whatever identity that you are cursed under and start living in the new identity that God has blessed you under. Your father is not Ammon. You don't have to live under that curse or the sins of your parents or grandparents or your circumstances or your sin or whatever is holding you back from following Jesus. Your father is not Ammon. Your father is David. That's a word for you. Romans 8 says this, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. That's you. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's Spirit when he adopted you as his own children. You received a spirit of sonship, it says in the Greek. And now we can call him Abba, Father. That means Daddy, Father. That's who you are. That's whose you are. I don't know who I'm speaking to today, but you have a chance today to break the mold, to change generations, to think and live longer than your lifetime. See, what you do today makes an impact a thousand generations from now. Stand up for a moment. See, in order for you to be a father for the next generation, you need to know who your father is. And whatever is dominating you, whatever shadow you're living in, Today is your day to break free. And you don't have to live in the shadows, but you can live in sonship. You're no longer a slave to your past. You're no longer a prisoner. If you know Jesus, you are free. And who the Son sets free is free indeed. Can I get an amen? Who the Son sets free is free indeed. Your father is not Ammon. Your father is David. I don't know what that means to you, but the Spirit does. 
Your father breaks the yoke. Your father has broken the chains. Your father has set the captives free. You just need to walk in it. You need to stop going this direction and start going this direction. And some people here in this place this morning need to take a physical step towards this altar this morning. We want to pray with you. We've got some, a team of people that's going to pray with you. And I, I know that's a scary thing. And pride kicks in and you go, no, it's not me. God is speaking to you. He's not speaking. Don't worry about the person to your left or your right. Think about you in this moment. The Holy Spirit is speaking to you. Nobody's exempt on the podcast. In this place, it doesn't matter. The Holy Spirit is speaking to you. You might be fearful. You might be living in fear. You're not called to fear. Fear is not your father. Your father is faith. You might have an anger problem. Maybe your dad or grandfather had an anger problem. You go, that's just the way I am. I'm just cursed to live in that. <laughs> You've just resigned to the fact that you're angry. Your father is a father of love, not anger. Anger is not your father. Today is the time to break the curse. Your father is self-control. Maybe you've been living in lust. I don't know what it is. Maybe lust has a hold on you, and you cannot get rid of it. You can't shake it. You've been calling lust your father. <laughs> no, your, your father is love and self-control. You have a way of escape. God made a way. It may seem impossible, but he made a way. Maybe you're bitter. Maybe you're holding on to things in the past you're bitter from. Bitterness will kill you. Bitterness will kill you. You're not, that's not your father. Your father's forgiveness. And maybe you need to go back to that cemetery and dig up some bones and burn them and then start walking in the ways of forgiveness. You need to start forgiving somebody today. I don't know what it is. You know, the spirit knows. He's putting it upon your heart today. Whatever it is, you need to do it today. Now, there's no other time. There's no other place. God's calling you right now. He's walking along the shores. He sees you in the boat. He says, come, follow me. That's you right now. See, you're not a victim of your circumstances. You're not a victim of your circumstances. We sang about it earlier. You're a victor in Jesus Christ. You already have the victory. You just need to walk in the victory. You're seated with him right now in the heavenly places. So act like it. Walk in it. Stop living like a victim. Start living like a victor. Would you pray with me? Whoever needs to come forward this morning, I don't know who it is, probably a bunch of you, probably all of us, just start coming forward. we got people up here to pray with you. Don't let pride keep you from doing this. Do not let pride keep you from doing this. Come forward. Every single one of us needs to clean out the junk in our hearts. Just start stepping up here. We have a team to pray with you. Every head bowed and eyes closed. Just come on forward. I know God's tugging at your heart. The Holy Spirit is telling you to get up to this altar, to burn some things to the ground. Listen to this verse in Isaiah 64, 8. It says, and yet, Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay. You are the potter. We are formed by your hands. You are our Father. God, and we proclaim that over all of our lives today. We step into our, your ways, Father. What's written in us about curses, we, we reject that. We burn that to the ground, and we choose a new way, the victory that you've already won for us. Just like Josiah, we have prophecies spoken over us. Romans 8.37 says, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. Keep on coming forward. Keep on coming forward. Don't let yourself be hold back, held back. If you're listening to the podcast, pull the car over to the side of the road. Have a moment with God. Whatever it takes in this moment, do it. Listen to the Holy Spirit. You were chosen before the world began. You were in him at the foundations of the world. You are a holy priesthood. A royal priesthood, a holy nation. You're seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. Your father is not Ammon. Your father is David. What do you need to break free of today? What do you need to break wide open? What mold do you need to break in your life so that you can start walking in the ways of your real father? Burn it to the ground. Replace it with the word of God. Celebrate that you're a victor, not a victim. Victorious people walk in victory. We don't have a victim mentality anymore. Thank you, Jesus. Live in that celebration. Walk in that victory. Tomorrow morning, choose to walk in that victory. Walk in those steps that he's called us to. Isaiah 10, 
27 says this, in that day, the Lord will end the bondage of his people. He will break the yoke of slavery. He will lift it from their shoulders. We say, God, that today is that day. Today is that day. We say that bondage is over. Bondage, you've had your time. We're, our chains are broken. We're free. We're going to walk in that freedom. We say that today is the end to our slavery. We are free people. And if the Son has set us free, then we are free indeed. That day has come today. If you need to break that yoke, please come on forward. There's somebody else in here that's holding back. Somebody else needs to step forward in this moment. Whatever it is, a sin issue, a generational curse, I don't know what it is. You need to know who your real father is. Your bondage is over. Your yoke is broken. So walk in that freedom today. Jesus, we thank you so much for this word today. And we choose to break the curse of our past and walk into the freedom that you've promised us. We thank you that you are with us, that you are speaking to us, that today the fruit will result from these things being broken, that good fruit will fill the land. And the overflow from the goodness will spill over to the next generation and the next generation and the next generation. And we proclaim that our bondage is over and we step into freedom. We step into freedom. There's somebody that still needs to come forward. We've got people up here that will pray for you. Start stepping. Don't let pride keep you from what God wants to do in your life. Don't let it. There's victory being won here. Victory, you just need to step into your victory this morning. Maybe you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ. You don't know Jesus Christ and, and you can walk with him today. It's simple. There's no magic words. You just need to turn to him, do a 180. Turn from the way that you were going. Repent. Turn to Jesus and say, Jesus, thank you for what you did on the cross for me. Thank you that you broke the mold. Thank you that I can live in freedom now. Would you take me as your own? Can I call you Abba, Father? And it will be so like that. It will be done. And you're sealed with the Spirit. And now you have the Holy Spirit that is speaking to you. And you got to go tell somebody. If you made that decision today to follow Jesus for the first time, you got to tell somebody. We can't live in isolation. Jesus, help us to break the curse of isolation in this moment. Thank you, God, that you've broken the bondage. Thank you that today the Lord will end the bondage of his people, stuff that's been going on for years, broken. <laughs> We're walking in freedom now. We're walking in freedom now. We're walking in freedom now. If the Son has set us free, that we are free indeed. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for what you're doing here in these lives, these people that are humble enough to step forward into what you have for them. Still have time if you're out there and you just come forward. You still have time. Don't let your hearts be hardened. Don't let the, that grease harden what's going on in your hearts. Step forward. This is your moment. There's nothing magic about you this moment, but you can choose to end some things today that you've been living in. You can cause the shadows <laughs> to pass, and you can live in the sun. That's a good day. That's a good word. That's a good word. God, we break generational curses. We break sin issues. We break lust and anger and bitterness and pride. We burn them to the ground. Nothing left. And we follow you with all of our hearts, our whole hearts, right now, here today, in this moment. Thank you, God. We're just going to stay in this attitude of prayer as people are responding in this moment. Thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing.
Somebody needs to forgive somebody today. You need to make a phone call this afternoon. You need to meet face to face. The bitterness has crept up, and we're going to break that today. Your Father's forgiveness, it's not bitterness. Step into that forgiveness. Some of you need to celebrate more. <laughs> Maybe you've been a Christian for a long time and you've forgotten <laughs> that you've been freed. You've forgotten the price that was paid for you. Maybe your response today is, I'm going to celebrate that more. I'm called to make disciples. I haven't been following you with my whole heart. There's, there's a bunch of gunk. Some of you need to pick up your Bible tomorrow morning. Dust it off. Find that book and rejoice in what is written in there and let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Whatever it is, whatever needs to be broken in your life, break it, burn it down, end it today. You've already crossed over into the promised land. You don't have to wander in the wilderness. You've crossed over. God's won the victory. You just need to step into that victory. If you're here at the front and you still need some prayer after the service, just stay back and we'll, we'll make sure to make time for you and pray with you. Father, we thank you what you've done in this place today. We thank you that you've broken the yoke of slavery. Thank you that if the Son has set us free, that we are truly free. We, re we rejoice that our Father's not Ammon, but you are our Father, and we walk in all the ways of your goodness. And all God